You are listening to the Hope Fellowship Church Podcast. To find more information about our church and ministries, check out our website at hopeandanderson.com. Now, this week's teaching. Good morning. My name is Christy Robinson. I've been attending Hope for 11 years. I have the pleasure of serving in Hope Kids as well as the Faith in Action Puppet Ministry. Please stand for today's reading. Our passage today is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, as well as verses 26 and 27. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. Could you be seated, please? Amen. It's good to see you. Turn to someone around you and say to them, we are better together. Could you say that for a moment? And you uh, maybe have no idea why I asked you to say that. I appreciate you being compliant this morning. So we start today this Sunday and next Sunday for two weeks, to talk about what we call Better Together. It is a series that we do throughout the year. We do one this time of year. We'll do another one in February with you, where we talk about relationships and community. And so today I get an opportunity to start the series two weeks with you today, talking from the book of Genesis. And then next week, Pastor Nathan will be with you to finish up this as well. And so I want to say to you that, man, I'm so excited about the book of Genesis this morning. As you may know, if you've been here for a little while, you know that I love the book of Genesis. Can you say amen to that? Yes, because you've heard me say it a lot, right? And, and so I love the book of Genesis, so super excited about talking to you about relationships from that as well. So today, God, a love relationship and emptiness. And so when I begin to think about this subject, I thought, well, to adequately explore gospel community doing life together, better together is what we're calling it, then we must go back to the beginning. But I want to take you a little step further back than the beginning, and that is the beginning of the beginning. A lot of beginnings, right? But yes, but the beginning of the beginning to understand whose idea this was for you and I to live together in community. And so this biblical concept that we want to explore together this morning is really two-dimensional, In our relationships in this world, they are two-dimensional. That is our relationship, our vertical relationship with God. And I think we get that, right? Most of us probably do. Even if you are not a Christ follower, then you have some kind of limited understanding of that of a vertical relationship with God. But then there is that other dynamic, and that is that our horizontal relationship with one another. And I perhaps I think if you struggle with any of the two aspects, you're going to struggle with that horizontal relationship with the other people around you. But here's what I have learned through Scripture, 
and that is that, that of our vertical and our horizontal relationship, that they're interreliant, as they really are. I would almost go to say that they are somewhat mutually exclusive, that they find themselves so intertwined with one another that we find it very difficult to untangle them at times. And so as we begin to look at relationships today together and community this morning, then I had to go back to the book of Genesis because that's where it all begins. Some writers, some theologians, some preachers and teachers say that before the beginning, as we know it, there were three things that existed. One was God. Well, we get that. Two, that of a loving relationship. Well, that's the one you may scratch your head at for a moment until we talk about that and wonder what is he talking about. And then there is emptiness, which we just read in the scripture. So I want to talk to you today about relationships. So two weeks ago, or well, three weeks ago now, I think it is, then we had both of our granddaughters, um, Abigail and Emma, with us. Well, Emma is 11, Abigail is 5. And so we had them for four days without their mom and dad. That's a lot of fun for grandparents, right? Because whatever were rules at their mom and dad's house are not rules at grandma and grandpa's house. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's kind of the way it works. And and so we loved having them. It was a lot of fun. So we picked them up in Atlanta. On the way home, we started talking about relationships. And as Papa, that's my name, as Papa would do, then I started to kind of question my 11-year-old granddaughter about relationships, you know? And, you know, how she felt about boys and things like that, right? And, and so she's not there yet. And I told her, that's wonderful. Don't start that till you're about 35, right? And so, I, and, and so we talked about relationships. And, and she said some of her friends had boyfriends and this kind of thing. And so the five-year-old Abigail, she's listening. And all of a sudden she says, Papa, Abigail, the five-year-old says, Papa, do you have any other girlfriends other than Graham's? <laughs> That is not a question to pause on, to give an answer, right? That is not, because Grams is sitting right next to me. No, absolutely not, you know, kind of thing is what it is. But I thought it was really interesting that our five-year-old granddaughter is already trying to get some parameters regarding relationships. So it's something that is innately placed within us in our DNA as humans. And I want to kind of flesh that out for the next couple of minutes with you this morning. So I want to begin with this subject in the beginning. Verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't think we realize or do we realize how unique and very special that verse is to one, who we are, and secondly, to how we live our lives. Sometimes we can place verses in this category of familiarity to where that we almost remove the value of them. And so in the beginning, God, it's such a powerfully unique statement about the beginning. Because when I realize how the other beginnings are portrayed or the ideology that other people have about how everything in this world began, it's very different. Because if you take it out of the context of Genesis to another ideology of the beginning, then what I realize is that, well, we say the universe comes from something. You know, it it makes logical sense that the universe comes out of something. And so that everything that we see and everything that we experience in this world is somewhat of this 
cosmic accident, that it all came from something, the result of this greater cosmic force that really has nothing to do with us as humanity or humans at all. And so it's all just kind of randomly come together, just as the way your car and all the details of your car are assembled completely by itself and it safely transports you home you know that's well, can you sense a spirit of sarcasm there can you see that because that is one of my spiritual gifts i didn't know if you know this sarcasm was a spiritual gift now you feel much better about yourself don't you yeah it's not okay understand that but it is so we're the result of some accident in the cosmos the ultimate oops that everything just kind of comes together and it works out in the end. But in the book of Genesis, what we see is that the origin of everything doesn't come from something. It comes from someone. That we are not a cosmic result of randomness, but divine purpose and divine design. In the beginning, God. So what Genesis teaches us is that everything finds its origin not in something, but in someone, and that is God. That everything starts with one God, and, and who creates everything through himself, alone, out of nothing, with divine purpose and design. One for his glory, and then also for our joy as well. It is the Latin term, Augustine writes much about this years ago, it is this Latin term, ex, um, and, and my Latin is not the very best, so this is Southern Latin for us, okay, is what this is, right? It's ex ni, ex ni ile, ex ni, I, I said it earlier so many times, ex ni ilo, there it is, that's it, ex ni ilo. And so, you know, it, it is this concept that, Everything comes from nothing, out of nothing and from nothing. I think it's a concept that you and I have to wrap our minds around today of utmost importance. Because not only does it establish God as the creator, but he establishes God the very essence of creation. It's the same concept when we say that it's God does not just love, but God is love. And so when we see creation, we see it in that very same manner. That this is what separates God from the human artist or that of human creativity, that you and I are bound with the laws of this world that we can only create out of what already exists, but that of God in the book of Genesis creates everything out of nothing. You say, Mark, what does this have to do with that of community and relationships? Let me get there in just a moment. Because if we relegate God to just be something like a cosmic Michelangelo. That he takes this huge cube of stone or granite. And he carves something out of it that is amazing. Michelangelo always said that what he would do. He would take a piece of granite. And he would release what was already inside of that stone. To this becoming this great masterpiece. And so if we say that God did that in creation, then that would mean that you and I have the power of being within ourselves, that God just helps to kind of release that through creation. That concept of creation would lead us to believe that the power of being was within us, that we're God. 
It takes us back to the very sin of the Garden of Eden in chapter 3 and verse 5. What does Satan say to Adam and Eve or to Eve specifically? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God or you will be equal with God, knowing good and evil. It's not that God did not want Adam and Eve to have a conscience to know that difference between good and evil. But you will be equal with God is what he said. The equality with God. It's a sin not only against that of themselves, but it's a sin against the very nature and the very creative order of God. What it says is this, that I don't need a relationship with God because I because all I need is within myself is what Satan was tempting him with the lie. And it's the same lie today that we as humans are self-sustaining, that we don't need God and we don't need anyone else. If creation had not been done by God alone, out of nothing, everything was created, then that of our being would be something innate within us. But yet he took nothing and made everything so that you and I are not self-sustaining. That we have to have God, and I've taken a step further, and we have to have one another. The greatest enemy of community, the greatest enemy of you moving into community with someone else and opening your life to someone else is the thought that you are self-sustaining. That you don't need anyone else. And sometimes you even say that you don't even need God. And that is a lie of the enemy. That is exactly what Satan was saying to Eve at this very moment. And that is a very much a direct attack on that of the concept of in the beginning God. There was nothing but God. God didn't fashion the world or us out of anything that already existed. Because if he did, then we could say we were self-sustaining. But what we realize today is in him we live, move, and have our being. And that we need him and we need one another. We need each other. I think that's an important part of this understanding of relationships. So I've formed two questions for you this morning. The first is this. Can you see how wrong and how sinful it is to live like you don't need God? And I think that most of us would probably say, yeah, I can really understand that. I, I, I really can. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey today, you can probably say yes. But I reworded this question because I think it works so well with what we're learning from the book of Genesis. Can you see how wrong and how sinful it is to live like you don't need God or the person sitting next to you? Wow, that changes everything, doesn't it? It really does. That we, as much as we have this vertical relationship with God, that we have this horizontal relationship with one another. And in community, we need each other. Someone asked you to do something this morning. To turn to the person next to you and just say this. And I know maybe you don't have anyone next to you right now. But, you know... I don't know, just kind of work that out in your own mind for a moment, right? But turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Could you do that for a moment and say that to them? I need you. Now, for some of you, if you're single and that person is single sitting next to you, then that's a God thing, right? Yes. 
Yeah, this is like, wow, Mark, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for God to speak to you. Finally, God says something to you and you have us do that. This is absolutely this great moment in my life. I've been watching this person from across the room for weeks now. And here it is, right? Yes. We need one another. I think that that we can't go any further in this teaching this morning till we till we solidify that fact and that truth from scripture that we need each other in community. God created us that way. He he created us out of nothing so that we are not self-sustaining individuals that we have to have something outside of us to feel whole and to be fulfilled and to live in this world to the fullness that we're designed to live. And that is God and that's one another. Ex nihilo. It's a powerful Latin term that out of nothing. So if you are an atheist, and if you're an atheist and you're here this morning, consider yourself an atheist. Then I want to say to you, first of all, thank you for being here. Man, I am so glad that you're here this morning for us to talk together for the next few minutes. But I want you to open your heart and your mind to God. Because what this is, is to remove this piece from creation that we are created from nothing. Everything from nothing. Ex nihilo. That to remove that is to undermine the existence of God. Colossians 1 and 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things exist, that everything comes from him and it all exists through him and for him. And I think we tend to go through life sometimes and we tend to we tend to to brand things as this is secular and this is spiritual. And what I realize when I look at Colossians chapter one, then what I realize is that we can't go through life and say this is secular and this is this is sacred at all because all things are created by God. God does. We realize he creates everything perfect. The Satan comes in by sin and perfection perverts those things within our lives, but it still never erases the fact that God is the only one in the universe that holds ultimate creative power. Satan does not have that because he is a created being. There was a moment that he did not exist, but God has always been and always will be. So he is the only one in the universe that holds ultimate creative power. So what does that mean for you and I? Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. What does this mean to me? That all things come from God alone are for God and he made us in his image. And there's so many ways that I could answer that question, but I don't have time this morning But let me give you one answer today. It brings purpose and discernment to our lives. Let me kind of flesh this out for you and for you to understand how this has an impact on community in our lives. 
Because to the, to the atheist, to the person that does not believe in God, is to eliminate God, then you can do whatever you want and sort of guilt-free without no retribution at all. We don't need God. We don't need anyone else around us. We're sufficient within ourselves. But what's wrong with that kind of approach to life and that kind of thinking is that if you dispense God, then you lose all intellectual basis for declaring what is right or wrong or what is beautiful or what is not in life. So you always have to have the design to compare the design to to in order for you to make those kind of determinations. And when you remove God, you remove that of what you compare things to to determine whether they are beautiful or whether they are not or whether they are right or whether they are wrong. To remove God, and I thought about this a lot this week, eliminates design and purpose, anything to measure against regarding what's right or wrong or beautiful or grotesque in this life. So how could you ever look at the Rockies that are amazingly beautiful without a design to judge them by? How can you dig your toes into the sand at the beach and listen to the waves as they crash upon the ocean and somehow feel the awe of all of that? If you have removed the ultimate design and designer from all that, how can you look at the beautiful orange sky that we have here when the sun sets in the afternoons without understanding there? There has to be a design in order for you to simply measure that event by in order to determine how beautiful it is. For the atheist, for the person that doesn't believe in God to enjoy the beauty of the sunset is to affirm that there is actually a master designer and a master design. And that is God because everything comes from him for him. So because we are made in God's image. The likeness of God. You're never going to find your place in life until you have found your place in relationship with God because he's the master designer of everything and he has created all the creative order for that to simply bring you back to him in relationship. Everything is for him and finds its meaning in him. And apart from him, everything is meaningless and nothing is beautiful and nothing has purpose and everything lacks design and everything is for him, including us alone. And I took all of that and I spoil all that down in this thought about relationships that before creation, there was God. And that changes the way I see everything and it changes the way I see you as well, that I am not self-sustaining, that I'm not the standard that things are measured by, that I have to have because of me being human, I have to have something outside of me, and that is God, and that is you. You see, community is not this postmodern idea of the church or even our culture. It's not. It was designed by God into your DNA. It is the way that God made you from the very beginning. 
If God wanted you to sustain yourself and not need him or anyone else around you, then God would have taken something that already existed and created everything that we know today as existence. But he did not. Because he designed you to need something outside of yourself. And that is him and that is others in community. So it brings me to my second thought. In the beginning, there was a love relationship. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man into our own image after our likeness. Oh, this, is, this gives us a firm foundation for community and relationships because the us that he talks about in verse 26 is the Trinity. It is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The first Three verses of chapter one in the book of Genesis gives us this great understanding that God is a triune being. It talks about even the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then in John chapter one and verse one, in the beginning was the word talking about Jesus being the agent of creation. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. We have this very clear picture of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ample evidence for you and I today that God is a triune being. One God existing in three persons. I don't have the time today with you to try to work that out for you. In fact, I could give you analogies left and right, but it is a concept and an understanding of God that requires you to accept that by faith. So Mark, what does this have to do with community? Everything. Because Genesis begins with a perfect snapshot of perfect community. Before creation itself existed, the Trinity existed. Before the beginning, God has existed in relationship and he has created you and I in the very same image to live in relationship, not just with him, but with those that are sitting around you today. You say, Mark, but why did God create us? Was God lonely? God was lonely, that's why he created us. That's not it at all. Don't ever get that idea. He created you and I as an overflow of his love relationship in that of the Trinity. Here is the thought. You and I are an extension of that community. You and I are an extension of of that love relationship that of between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is the ultimate example and model for love and community for you and I to follow. God is absolutely serious about this. He is. So serious that he chooses in Genesis chapter 2 to drop in a couple of verses about relationships and about marriages. Why would God on the very heels of that of creation want to talk to you about marriage here's what it says in verse 24 therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh two becoming one it is a powerful analogy of that of the trinity and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not afraid god did not create us because he was lonely No, God created us because he desired a loving relationship 
or you and I between him so that our relationship with him would be best reflected in that of our relationship with one another in this room. God wasn't lonely. But it's a way for him to reveal himself to the world around us and for you and I to bear that image of that of God by loving each other in community. So I love this text about marriage, you know. You, you, don't, you don't marry because you're lonely. Now, for all, if you're single in the room, let me say that so you can hear it one more time. You don't marry because you, you're lonely. You marry because you, you love, right? I mean, that's the way it works or the way it should work as well. If you are lonely, then get a dog, right? That helps, correct? Or maybe stretching it, get a cat, Nah, I don't know, right? Uh, let me drink. That left a bad taste in my mouth. I said that, okay? Uh, I, I did get confronted by a bunch of cat lovers in the lobby Sunday morning, and I, I, I was told that they're actually going to bring a cat and drop it off at my house, you know? And I told them, fine. I will get your address, put it in a box, and I will UPS it back to your house, too, as well. And they thought that was the meanest thing they ever heard. And I would not do that. Just joking. Absolutely. Perhaps. Okay. (laughs) But what I love about this is that God uses marriage, right? God uses marriage in Genesis chapter 2 to not only frame the Trinity but to also relate it to a relationship that two humans have together. And he puts that all in the same sort of discourse to tell us, one, that he did, he did not create us to be self-sustaining because he created all things out of nothing. So we have to have something outside of ourselves. And then he says that he created us to live in relationship and he gives us the model for that and that of the Trinity. Because as image bearers, we are to cultivate loving relationships with one another. So I make this statement to you. And it's on the screen that we best bear his image. And I think this is important. That we best bear his image by loving and caring for one another in gospel community. What greater way to bear the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God than that of you and I modeling that in gospel community together, doing life with one another. So here's a recap before we get to the last thought, that we were not created to be self-sufficient. Man, I hope you have taken that away from this ex nihilo, this concept that everything from nothing and why God chose to do that, that we were not created to be self-sufficient and that we are an extension of his love relationship in the Trinity so that 16 and a half years ago when Reba and I moved to Anderson and God helped us with many others to plant Hope Fellowship as a church, that I asked God to give us a vision statement that we could live by 
of all the years of existence of this body of believers. And so we, we, with the direction of the Lord, pinned this statement that we were about people becoming and belonging, that we are about you becoming the person that God has designed you to become, and we are about you belonging, that you are living this in community, that your faith is not a private faith, but your faith is lived out together with other believers, that we are about people becoming belonging through, how do you do this? Through one, loving God, and two, loving others. It is that it is that multidimensional aspect to our relationships in this life. And it leads to that of making disciples. So what I realize is this. That we are only whole physically, emotionally, and mentally and spiritually when we are engaged in a deep and loving faith community. I want you to understand that. I'm not saying that because this is the sermon that I get to preach today. I'm saying that because that's the way God designed us before the beginning, that we only find holistic life in this world when we find ourselves engaged in a deep and loving faith community because that's the way God wired us. So in the beginning, there was emptiness. So in the beginning, there was emptiness. It's verse two, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And so I just sat in that verse for a while and began to think through the earth was without form and void and darkness and was over the face of the deep. And, and you know, I've shared this with you before that, that I'm the question guy that I never took anything in life growing up I just face value, so I always had to ask questions. And so I pinned the question in my journal this week, and the question was this, was the emptiness an element of the creative order or the absence of creation? You ever thought about that? You say, Marco, I don't get whole geeked out about Genesis kind of thing, but I think it's a great question. Was the emptiness an element of the creative order or the absence of creation. So I went back to the book of Colossians and reread Colossians chapter one, starting with verse 16. And it says, for by him, all things were created. And when I took that and I laid it over my question, what I concluded for myself was that the dark and empty space was a creation of God. But what does that mean? So I looked up those words that Moses chose without form or void or darkness. Powerful Hebrew words that mean nothingness or chaos, or the absence of purpose, ruin, or waste. I thought, what is this about? And I realized there are other theological discussions on this matter, but what is God saying to me and to you now? 
that God intentionally creates this dark, empty, without form or void space. Could it be, could it just be that at that moment, he was thinking about us? Could it be that God was saying to you and I that that's what your life looks like? That's what it resembles apart from me is God before creation reminding us that before him, our lives are meaningless. They lack purpose. Our lives resemble emptiness. Could it be that before creation that God already has redemption on his mind for you and for me? Well, God didn't know. No, wait, stop. God knew. There's nothing that he doesn't know. So is the message here that even before creation, God had you on his mind because God is absolutely so much committed to relationships. I thought about that. That he steps into our darkness as he stepped into emptiness that day. And he speaks, the scripture says. Augustine calls it the divine imperative that God says, let there be light. In fact, the actual translation of that text says that there must be light, that God in his authority as the creator and the essence of creation commands light. And everything that we know today appears. That the beauty of the Rockies are evident. The wonder of the ocean becomes reality. But greater than that, I believe God was thinking about you. So you can convince yourself all you want or attempt that it's okay for me to do life alone that I'm good with that but there will always be a piece in your life that is missing a space that is void in your life because God created you for community with him and with the people sitting around you.
So maybe you say, well, Mark, I've tried this whole community thing, you know, and I've been hurt. And that hurt happened in church. Oh, I'm the first to tell you that there is probably nothing like church hurt. It's painful. And I'll tell you why. Because you don't expect it, right? But it happens. Because we're a collective group of sinners redeemed by God's grace, but you're not yet perfected. But I think we use that sometimes as an excuse, and I understand the value behind that as well. Well, Mark, I said something to someone, I divulged, I confessed something, and I thought that it would be confidential in man. It was broadcast. So not me. Nope. I'm going to close off. I'm going to build a wall around me. And, and, this, and I'm going to be happy. And everything is going to be good. And I want to tell you, the, you, you are trying to live totally contrary to the way that God wired you and designed you to be. Well, Mark, I'm an introvert. Interesting. Because I know an introvert when I see them because I am one of them, right? I am. Inside of me is an introvert just screaming to get out, but it's actually not screaming, it's whispering, right? But even introverts are drawn to other introverts. Why? Because it's the way you're wired for community. You say, so Mark, what do I do? How do I fix this? Well, first of all, you have to take down the shield around you. And you have to step out and be vulnerable to love and to let people into your life. You have to realize that God redeems all things because he was talking and thinking about your redemption before the beginning of the beginning so he can redeem those brokenness, broken moments in your life with relationships. Secondly, a very practical way is today. Yeah. When you leave here today and you go out the front doors, there are tents set up and there are tables. Do you know who was behind those tables? Those are community group leaders who would love to have a conversation with you about coming into a small group, community group together and doing life with other people. It was a great time for an advertisement. Wasn't that awesome? Did you like that? How I just slipped that right in. It's true. You say, Mark, I'm not ready for a community group. You know, I'm not ready for that kind of thing. Well, then let me, let me challenge you and then we'll pray. That when you come back next week, which I hope that you do. That you come and you grab a cup of coffee. And you just go and sit at a table with someone. I know for some of you, that's a stretch. I realize that and have a conversation. Create a friendship. Share your name. Begin to open the places of your heart that you've closed off over the years in small increments and let people in. Let 
let them in. Because you were designed that way. No matter how much you think you're self-sufficient, you are not. Because that goes against the very creative order of God. No matter how much you think that you're not good at relationships, oh, it's in your DNA. It's the way God created you because you're an, you're an image bearer of the Trinity, which is the perfect relationship and community. But God, Mark, I have issues. Hey, God was thinking about redeeming those before the beginning of the beginning. Got you covered. And begin to open your heart up little by little. And let God in. And let others in. And do this life the way you were designed to do it. Together. Let's pray together this morning. Bow your heads or close your eyes or whatever posture of prayer you want to take today. But let's pray together for a moment. So Father, here we are as your kids. Sitting here before you with all of our baggage and all of our stuff. Got all of our fears about community and letting people close to us. Here we are. And so God, as only you can, help us to work through those things. But God, we realize the beginning of that is a moment of confession with you. So Father, as you were thinking of us before the beginning and stepping into the darkness of our lives, remind those in this room that are struggling with relationships that you have this. You have it, God. And today is the day to step into the way that we were wired, that we are not self-sufficient, that we were created to needing something outside of ourselves, and that is you, God, and that is others. That you didn't create us because you were lonely. You created us to bear your image in this world, and what greater way than that of living in community in the light of the model of the Trinity. So thank you, Father. And Father, lastly, I pray for those that have been harmed and those who have been hurt by others. Those that have allowed others in and they misused that privilege. For those broken and unmet expectations, unrealized promises that were made to us. God, you can redeem all things in our life. Redeem all those things, Lord. Step into that darkness and bring light. Father, we thank you that you created us to do this thing together. And we give you thanks in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's teaching. We hope you have a great week.